I'm running to serve you as the next president of the United States of America. It's official. Beto O'Rourke is running for president. He made the announcement Thursday on his website and then immediately headed to Iowa. He enters an already crowded field of over a dozen candidates with momentum behind him. But is O'Rourke and his superstar persona the candidate Democrats have long been waiting for? This is TikTok. I'm David Myers. Joining me today from D.C. is the Washington Bureau Chief for Bloomberg News, Craig Gordon. Craig, good to have you back. Sure thing. So Beto is in, and a lot of people are very excited. And he really hit the ground running, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, uh, when you're on the front uh, cover of the of Vanity Fair with a photograph by Annie Leibovitz, I think that counts as a pretty good uh, a pretty good launch. Um, we uh, we we kind of thought Beto was going to run. Um, he's been kind of back and forth, and uh, he had said about a week ago he'd made up his mind, but now but now he's in. And yeah, it's true. Uh, there's a lot of excitement around his candidacy. People, of course, remember that he ran against Ted Cruz uh, to try to unseat him uh, in the Senate in uh, Texas. There, he fell a little bit short, but for any Democrat to do as well as he did, I think he lost by two or three points um, in, a, in a very deep blue state like Texas. It really caught a lot of people's attention that this guy, you know, kind of could be something. So he's he's young, he's kind of attractive. I, I called the cover today sort of Texas chic, you know, <laughs> next to his pickup truck with his dog and everything. Um, and he's running on a very sort of populist, kind of an upbeat message. Um, I think the challenge for uh, him is, you know, how to stake out some ground that's different than some of the other Democratic uh, contenders. So, but it's certainly in terms of kind of appearance, uh, this sort of the, the optics of politics. Like, uh, you know, the guy was in the House for a short time. I don't think he has a huge record of governing or even a huge particularly policy um, set of policy prescriptions, but he's, he's you know, uh, uh, exudes a sort of a, a leadership, a hopeful leadership that I think a lot of people in the Democratic Party are looking for right now. And what are those policies um, that he talked about you know, running against Ted Cruz, but that he's also talked about since then with everyone anticipating he'd run for president? What are the policies that he's been talking about that continues to get you know, all this momentum? Sure. It's interesting because right now, um, I would say the one thing the Democratic Party um, contenders don't lack for is policies. We've had, you know, there's Green New Deal, there's Break Up Amazon, that's Elizabeth Warren. Uh, there's been a lot of stuff out there. I think Beto O'Rourke is trying to position himself. You know, he's definitely a progressive guy, so he's definitely, you know, a left of center, as any Democratic hopeful needs to be in um, in the 2020 campaign. I do think he's trying to stake out a little bit of a position more, a little maybe closer to the middle, like, for instance, um, he's talking about a national uh, minimum wage, $15 an hour in the next six years. A lot of states have already adopted this, um, but there's not a national policy. That's something he's talked about. But one thing he is not talking about is something that's very popular among other Democrats, which is sort of Medicare for all, this idea that you just take the current Medicare system, make everybody eligible for it. It would literally cost trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars, but it would be essentially a, a national health care program. Beto has not fully embraced that, which, again, has become a little bit of Democratic orthodoxy. So he's trying to... I think he's trying to, you know, show a little bit of those, um, you know, that kind of Midwestern sensibility. I mean, he, he is from Texas, you know, so even a even a liberal Democrat from Texas is still a little <laughs> less liberal than maybe a liberal Democrat from Massachusetts like Elizabeth Warren. And I think that's the place where he is. He's trying to stake out a stake out a lane. He talked about legalizing pot nationwide today, but also, you know, giving it some of the stigma that are around cigarettes, you know, warning labels and stuff like that. So I don't know that these are the things that get any particular Democratic voter off the couch into the polls to vote for him. But, you know, it is a way to say, look, I'm not just a pretty face. I have some substance behind my uh, behind my campaign. You know, he is in Iowa today making a series of stops after that video that came out this morning with his announcement. Um, 
but when it comes to the, you know, all these candidates, I think he's number 15 now. So mm -hmm. how would you describe this field of 15 candidates, 15 at the moment? What is Baskin Robbers? Thirty-one flavors, so we're up to we're we're close to that. Look, there is something for everyone here, and if and if Joe Biden gets in, as we uh, we expect him to get in, maybe in early early April, that's not for certain, but we do think he will. Then I do think you'll have, again, all of them are left to center. You know, all of them are are Democrats, and and some are more liberal than others. But you'd have a full you'd have sort of a full spectrum of of candidates. Biden probably being the closest to the center. Obviously, he was the vice president, was center for a long time. Very tough on foreign policy, um, but also, you know, various sort of socially liberal and whatnot. You know, all the way to an Elizabeth Warren that talks about breaking up Amazon and, and even some of the other ones like Jay Inslee, the governor of Washington, kind of a one-issue candidate there uh, for mostly for climate change. Um, and, you know, Kamala Harris, I think, also the, uh, the senator from California, trying to, you know, put a toe kind of to the liberal side, but also, you know, has been raised some questions about whether some of these policies like Medicare for All are really affordable and expensive. And then you've got like Amy Klobuchar. So, I mean, I, you know, I think you have all the way to the left is sort of an Elizabeth Warren, all the way to the right of that still left side of the ledger is like a Joe Biden and everything in between. So if you, you know, if you're a Democrat and you, you know, you are trying to figure out who's going to be the one to beat uh, Donald Trump, there is certainly something for everyone here. You could go as far left as, again, a Medicare for all. Bernie Sanders is still in this race. You know, he wants to pay for college for everybody, for health care for everybody, and pretty much for child care for everybody. So that's going to be really expensive. I don't think he's given us a good answer of how he's going to pay for it. But the, you could have everyone to that far left if you think that's the way to beat Trump. And again, probably, you know, a Biden would be more in the middle and a, a Beto would be more in the middle. If you think the party, the country is not maybe ready for some of these fairly radical ideas, um, like free college, like free health care for everybody, um, maybe that's a nation that people imagine America America needs to be. It's also really expensive, and I think uh, Democrats need to come up with ways to, you know, show the people they can pay for it. But if you, you know, whichever flavor you're looking for, there's someone there for you. I'm not sure yet we have the exact one that can beat Donald Trump. Uh, is that Biden? Is that Beto? Uh, is it a woman? Is it Kamala Harris? Is it, is it Elizabeth Warren? It's really hard to tell right now. But for the Democratic Party, they will have they will have no shortage of choices to pick from. Speaking of the president and looking back on the midterms, how much of a balance does, does a candidate need to have on the stump speech when it comes to the policies that they want to talk about, but also talking about Donald Trump? Yeah, it's interesting because what you would, if there was a lesson to be drawn from the 2018 um, midterms, is that the Democrats who, uh, the 40 or so Democrats that, that won and created the Democratic majority, really didn't talk about Donald Trump that much. Um, they really talked about their ideas. You know, again, a lot of it was very health care focused preserving Obamacare, improving upon Obamacare, building on Obamacare. That was a very popular theme. And I remember we had some Democratic strategists come into the Bureau before the election, and that was a question we posed to them. Like, isn't the whole point you got to, you know, make yourself different than Donald Trump? And the answer that came back was, look, anybody who's going to be voting for a Democrat, it's assumed that they want to get rid of Donald Trump, and it's assumed they want to put a check on him. You don't actually have to say it out loud that much. It's just understood as part of the conversation. And then you're trying to convince them, you know, can you beat the Republican? These are, of course, House and Senate races. You know, can you beat the Republican? Do you have ideas that are worth, worth getting behind? So it'll be interesting to see how the 2020 candidates, obviously these are people running against House and Senate members. These are people now running against Donald Trump. How much he features in the stump speeches. I bet we will come, when we look back on this two years from now, I bet we'll be surprised how little they actually talk about him directly and talk more about 
that's what Donald Trump is doing to America. Here's the things I would do for America and some of these more, again, more what I would call more liberal policies, more uh, more affordable health care, more affordable college, more affordable child care, those sorts of things. The contrast is baked in. You don't have to talk about Trump to show how you're going to be different. In your view, Craig, what are voters in 2020 going to be looking for that maybe they weren't in 2016? There's really only one answer to that question, um, and it is uh, who can beat Donald Trump. Um, I was at a dinner last night with a very senior Democratic House member who would be very much on the far left side of the spectrum, and I asked him who he was you know, thinking about supporting. And uh, he said, well, my heart's always been with Sherrod Brown. Sherrod Brown's not in the race anymore, the senator from Ohio. And then he mentioned Kamala Harris. Now, I don't think of Kamala Harris and Sherrod Brown as all that similar. I don't think of them as, you know, I think Sherrod Brown is known as a kind of, again, like a prairie populist. It was kind of his his whole uh, persona in the Senate. And as he ran, I think Kamala was trying to chart a slightly more, I don't want to use the word centrist because she's still a liberal, but, you know, a little more centered than maybe to the left. But the idea, and, and I pressed him on this, and he basically said, we got to be Trump. I just I'm going to pick I'm going to be behind the person who I think has the best chance of beating Donald Trump. If that's Kamala Harris, if that's Better work, maybe it's Joe Biden. I don't know, but fundamentally, that is the number one, and I would argue almost only criteria these candidates are going to be judged on is which is the guy, which is the one that can knock Donald Trump out of the White House. Great, but when it comes to finding that candidate to beat Donald Trump, it seems Democrats are looking for someone to motivate them to convince them. Uh, Someone like Barack Obama, is that why there's so much excitement today about Beto O'Rourke, because he's the next Barack Obama? Yeah, um, I, I mean, it, you, you put your finger on it. A lot of people in the Democratic Party see Beto O'Rourke as sort of the next Barack Obama, and there's some obvious reasons why that he's different. He's not, he's not African-American, obviously, but a lot of people see in Beto O'Rourke the same sort of inspiration they felt when they were with Barack Obama. You know, Chris Matthews got in trouble for saying Obama gave him sort of a tingle down the leg, but, you know, we knew what he was talking about. He was a, he was an inspirational candidate. Again, Barack Obama had been in the Senate, what, four years by the time he ran for president? There's no there's no legitimate way you could say that guy was known to be prepared to, to run, you know, the leader of the free world, and yet he spoke to people. He, he touched people in a really powerful way that's different than maybe just pure politics that's sort of pure policy politics, and I think a lot of people are seeing that in Better O'Rourke. You do sometimes think, you know, politics is funny. People see what they want to see. You know, um, there are similarities. They were both in the Congress roughly the same amount of time. Maybe they both have a funny name, whatever you want to, whatever the similarities are. But that, um, but that inspirational sort of sense of leadership is where your Better O'Rourke is getting a lot of his support. Again, if you wrote down a list of his policy positions, they're not going to look that different than the ones of most of the other candidates in the race. They're really, we're talking about a very small small variation among even among the Democratic candidates, even from Bernie Sanders to Joe Biden. There's only so much difference there. There's still fundamentally liberals who want to, you know, have a bigger government role in people's lives and, and help people with things like health care, child care, things we've talked about here. Better work is no different than that. It's just the packaging. It's the it's the persona. It's the way he is of talking to people, talking about people. And that is a very powerful thing in politics. That is that is not to be um, that is not to be underestimated. I, I actually think, you know, people need they need to feel uh, uh, almost an emotional connection to the candidate. And the, the part of it that's going to be the, the right brain side of it, this is going to be like, I might have an emotional can- connection to this person, but I don't think they can beat Donald Trump, and therefore I, I'm not sure I can be with him. If, he, if Better O'Rourke could convince people, all those people that have a, a, a sort of a warm feeling toward him, that he could go toe-to-toe with Donald Trump in a debate, you know, in, in the general election, he's in a very powerful position in this uh, primary. Craig, thanks for doing this today. Sure thing. Make sure to follow Craig on Twitter. He's at D. Craig Gordon. 
That's the TikTok for today. Thanks for listening, and please head on over to iTunes and let us know what you think. I'm David Myers. You can follow me on Twitter at David F. Myers, and you can get all your updates 24-7 at TikTok.